0: And you're joining us for the DC Comics News podcast. I'm Seth, your host. I'm a reviewer for DC Comics News. And I'm joined today by Brad, a reviewer and news writer for DC Comics News. Mm
1: -hmm. Steve,
0: who's a uh, writer-reviewer for DC Comics News, news editor, writer-reviewer for Dark Knight News. And Joseph, news editor for DCN. And with that... I'm just going to move us right into the first topic in the uh, first category we're looking at, which is movie news. And I wanted to go ahead and get any feedback for those who are keeping up with the Army Hammer Batman controversy. And maybe want to just chime in with either a summary or initial thoughts or anything else to go along with that.
2: Uh, I, I don't know if you guys pay attention or follow Mario over at El Fanboy. Uh, but I listened to his podcast last week, and actually, he was the one who broke the news. And he apparently had some sources that that were saying, "Look, this is this is about to break. Uh, trust us on this. You know, we're going to break this news like in the next few hours." So he decided to run the story, and then you know, uh, a few minutes after that, they denied everything. They came out, you know, a lot of the bigger news sites came out and denied it. And he felt a little bit bad about that, um, but he's still sticking by the story. So who knows? Maybe, you know, maybe they wanted a bigger so- news source to break it like Variety or Hollywood Reporter. So that's that's what I've heard about it. That he was going to be Batman and now it's kind of still up in the air.
1: Yeah, I I think uh I think he's going to be really coy about it moving forward just because I mean it's it is a job it is a contract it's a big deal but at the end of the day it is still very much a you know a contract that will be you know for a role in a movie and there's a lot to negotiate there and I think saying or announcing anything right now it's just kind of you know will probably affect negotiations moving forward so I think right now they're just trying to keep everything under wraps I think It feels more than likely. Um, There's a lot of names that are being thrown out there, but I feel like it's going to be him. Uh, Obviously, I could be completely wrong, but I mean, we're just going to have to wait and see. And to be honest, I'm not surprised that we don't have too much to announce right now.
3: I have to uh, admit to not really having an opinion, which is rare for me, especially when it comes to Batman, because (laughs) I don't think I've seen anything that... Uh, I Army mean, Hammer's ever done. So I, I have no idea what he's like as an actor. I know he certainly looks the part or can look the part, but uh, hey, uh, I'm just going to be happy to hear any news whatsoever because I'm just excited about Matt Reeves directing it because the guy's fantastic. I love his work. So whatever happens, uh, I'm on board because it's Batman.
1: Yeah, I've actually. All right. Uh... I guess the only movie I've seen from Army is The Social Network. Uh, where you play the uh, Winklevoss twins. In that, movie. Uh, really that movie, I really like that movie. I really like his performance. Um, kind of comes off across as kind of like that, you know, just that really arrogant guy in those movies. if um, you guys remember he was in that one movie? Did you guys ever watch the Lone Ranger movie? Oh
2: yeah, I did. Yes. Oh yeah. What, what, I've what did
1: seen you What did you think? Because I mean, that that was him in a leading role. So like, what did you think of his performance in that?
3: Honestly, nondescript. Mm. It was Johnny Depp. It was a Johnny Depp movie. Um, he was it was Tonto guest starring the Long Ranger, so I really didn't like that film much. Mm. So I see I actually even forgot that was him. That's how much of an impression he Yeah, made. I mean I, I think I liked it better
2: than, than most of the critics did, but it really wasn't because of Army Hammer. It mm. was uh, you know, there was other stuff going on. But I, I do agree that he was kind of nondescript.
1: So so if you're saying like he's nondescript, you think you can kind of see him stepping into the role of Batman, knowing that, I mean, maybe he might not stand out, but we're really there to see Batman and maybe see the villains and the world more so than perhaps his portrayal of it? Or do you think, I, you think he know, can think, get by with that? or?
2: I think he could, and I think it would be a good mix because I think he is a big guy, so I think he could handle the physicality of Batman. And he's you know Typical leading man He, he could pull off the Bruce Wayne too mm-hmm. And and I, I really Think with Batman uh, It's not always about Batman It's mostly about the villains
1: mm-hmm.
2: And when mm-hmm. I go to a Batman movie It's not to see Batman it's to see The bad guy and right. I think so maybe that nondescript would be A good Bruce Wayne Batman way to go
1: Yeah I totally agree I think the, whoever the Villain is going to be and and whoever's cast in those roles, I think that would probably be a bigger, at least for more important to me, I would say.
3: No, I definitely want to see Batman. Big, bad, scary Batman and uh, slightly annoying, slightly silly cover up Bruce Wayne. that That's the whole part and parcel <laughs> of it for me. So, no, I, I do want a decent, good stand-out actor with some charisma, some screen presence. Uh, they've all had it a... Uh, apart from possibly George Clooney, they've all had something to really offer. And even Clooney wasn't that bad as Bruce Wayne. He was just a joke as Batman because Keaton had real charisma and screen presence. Even Kilmer, the parts where he was telling Dick Grayson that he could stop him. The, the scene in the, the, in the square where he makes everyone run away just by appearing on that rooftop. No, no, Batman has to be on screen and take over whenever he shows up. Now he's got to be a decent actor for me.
1: Uh, let, let me ask you something real quick. Uh, so, I was listening to some of the, uh, another podcast, and they were discussing whether or not they should have another origin story. Like, would you be okay if the next Batman is kind of like a different take on the origin story, or do you kind of want him to already be established as Batman? Established. Um, they proved
3: that it could work perfectly when they brought Tom Holland with Spidey. No origin story there, but mm-hmm. he was Spider Man from the first frame till the closing credits. So, we don't need to see the origin again. Everyone knows that story.
2: Yeah, Everyone does, and it takes up so much real estate in the film yeah. if you're going to tell an origin story. Why not just get into it? You know, I think everybody yeah, knows that story by now.
0: I'm going to chime in and say that I also agree that the origin story is something that feels like it's very fresh, kind of like on the public consciousness, and that with that already being so prevalent, why why go back and try and retell it in a way that won't feel as fresh as it's been more recently? Um, and just to follow up on the army Hammer idea, it's a curious thing because I felt that, you know, there were moments that in uh, Lone Ranger when he really displayed some great comedic timing. But going back to what I heard, you know, Steve bring up, which was a good point, and I feel others... That sense of presence or gravitas, you know, mm-hmm. that, that element when someone appears on screen. And yet at the same time, uh, it's, a, it's a disappointment because what I've heard about Army Hammer, he's actually a pretty skilled boxer. He's taken on a couple of professionals in the ring and bragged about only getting a black eye or two and, you know, being willing to, you know, knock it around. So with that sort of physicality, it would make sense for him to be uh, a decent fit. And then just for the news story, I'm just curious maybe just to maybe come to a last spot. You know, there's so much interest now with the role being vacant. Is this maybe a test balloon, an opportunity to sort of start floating out different names and see what public response generates to sort of help guide decision making or narrow the Mm choices factor? And I'm just going to step away and see what others have to say before we shift.
2: I I think that 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 could be a very good theory because there's no... Right now, there's no deadline. You know, right now, from what I understand about DC movies in general, is that they kind of want to step away from (coughs) Superman and Batman and let other characters kind of, you know, because of the success of movies like Aquaman, let them kind of build up a reputation. So, you know, why not? Why not throw up some balloons and see what the public has to say?
1: Yeah, I, I... I agree with that. I think you can throw out some names out there, kind of leak some stuff, see how people react. But I do think that, I don't know, I mean, this is Warner Brothers and they're a big studio and, you know, they have their analytics and and all that. So I think they probably have an idea of who they want to get and they just hope that the fans react well to it. And I do think they do want to take care of this sooner rather than later, because if I'm not mistaken, it's 2021, right? For the Batman movie? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so, I mean, quickly, you want to get the script. You you have the director, but, I mean, you want to start throwing names out there and get it all kind of, you know, just going on, you know, just moving along nicely. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, they might throw some names out there, but I think at the end of the day, Warner Bros. is just going to make their pick and then they'll take it from there.
3: It's a smart way of doing it. Because obviously public opinion now is literally there immediately from the start. And poor old Ben Affleck was shot down before he even got to play the role. So the fact that all these names are out there and ARMY's already like top of the list of people seem to like the idea of him becoming the Batman. So that that's clever. And then obviously then you get your Robert Pattinson's all the other strange, weird names that are coming out that are, not so popular. So I think that's a smart way of doing it, just to test the waters. Maybe they've already made this decision, but they're just seeing what the public has to think and, and say about it before it happens. But yeah, with Aquaman's success and the standalone movies, um, well, the whole news of them wanting to make a trench movie instead of Man of Steel Two is a little bit baffling to me. But hey, you know, more different kinds of films, different viewers, different ways in could be a good way forward.
0: Well, I think the interesting thing is going to be when we all get a chance to find out who's finally chosen and we can look back at all these different selections and wonder just how much they were really playing with us. Um, But I love the fact that both Brad and Steve um, have brought up uh, quite clearly the success of Aquaman because it moves into another one of our uh, news topics tonight which is the fact that Aquaman crossed uh, the $800 million mark at the foreign box office. And I wanted to go ahead and just uh, get your response on the idea of this being uh, encouraging news for the DCEU looking ahead, and if it gives you any different perspective or expectation for DC movies that are uh, on the schedule.
2: What I really like is the fact that DC. movies can have some of their success overseas. They're not so dependent on a North American box office hall, because I think that, that opens up the field a lot in what they can do as far as storytelling. And you know, it, it allows them to take, take risks, which maybe if they were so beholden to a North American audience like Disney is with Marvel, uh, you know just let them spread their wings a little bit and yeah and and the shazam appeal you know i I can't wait to see what that does overseas because that's had such a positive you know positive reaction from the trailer over here in the states that it'll be interesting to see what it does uh, across the pond
1: yeah i I think i'm definitely encouraged by obviously aquaman's success and how it's done well overseas i again i'm I don't know too much about why it would be why it's done so well overseas but i gotta think that just the way that the movie looks has a big part to do with it like i mean in my opinion aquaman just looks gorgeous it looks gorgeous on a big screen um it's bright it's colorful it's a world you don't really see you haven't seen really in out of the comic book uh superhero genre you know this you know this underwater uh setting Um, So I think overseas people can kind of, you know, just quickly, you know, people overseas, just whatever language barriers might exist, people can just enjoy something like that. Um, When it comes to Shazam, I kind of probably worry a little bit more about Shazam doing well overseas because at least what I'm seeing from the trailers, I haven't really seen kind of really heavy special effects. in that movie, it's kind of been more about the comedy and... You know the relationship, kind of. You know the you know the little kid and a superhero. Uh, it's more light and jovial, kind of, and I feel like that's kind of more relatable to American audiences. So I don't know how well that would transfer over overseas. Um, but you know, I think moving forward, I you know, it's seeing how well Aquaman did, I kind of expect them to, you know, and you can. Take it or leave it however you wish. But I think DC will kind of really focus in on these big, you know, set piece, these big visuals moving forward, if that's the case. Um, But again, I I think they're just going to wait to see how Shazam does. Um, Maybe that movie might have like really crazy special effects. But um, I guess, again, I haven't seen anything too much of that. So I guess we'll see.
3: If only we had someone on this podcast who is actually overseas that would be so helpful <laughs> hang on
0: imagine the hang possibilities
3: could what you a perspective imagine?
0: we could get hmm. so, do you um, know anybody
3: actually there is someone that springs to mind a chubby bloke uh, english guy um yeah i, I completely agree uh, with the fact that aquaman has done well everywhere is it, testament to the filmmakers and to jason momoa really because that film's just a great couple of hours of family fun. It's Mm -hmm. not trying to be high art. It's not trying to be really intelligent, deep and meaningful. It's just two hours of great fun. I like some dark moments in there. It's definitely still not quite uh, a popcorn movie. That that whole scene at the end with the the Leviathan and the trench and Mm -hmm. everything else was fantastic. Pulse Mm -hmm. pounding stuff. So if they can get the balance right with Shazam and that scene of Billy Batson jumping off a roof getting struck in the chest by lightning and taking off in mid-air as Shazam in mid-transformation, that's an iconic scene. If the rest of the film follows that route and they try not to dwell too much on, hey, this is a kid who turned into a superhero that actually adds some character and depth to it, great. Uh, I, I look forward to it. And it could be something that brings DC back up in the public's opinion the same way that Wonder Woman did, the same way that, uh, that Aquaman
1: has. Yeah, I You know i remember i showed um the trailers first i showed to my roommate i showed him the two trailers the first one i showed him was the if you guys remember the trailer that premiered around Mm comic-con um i showed him that trailer first uh when it came out and he wasn't too excited to see it he was kind of like like he was kind of hesitant he's like i don't know i don't know if it's gonna look good and then later on when that next trailer came out the one with like they had the dc logo underwater and then the title screen was wide and then you can see this underwater battle. Yeah, I think yeah. that immediately caught his attention, and he was like, "Oh, you know, I think, yeah, I think I w- I'd want to go see that." That, I mean, there's underwater kaiju's. <laughs> you know, it was the word yeah, that he used. That, yeah, yeah. yeah the so, time so, we so see like, him in the classic costume, like, oh like, in yeah, that's
2: like yeah. A trailer that, yes. that grabbed everybody. Yes.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that was kind of like when. I guess when you saw the action and like this huge uh battle sequence in the trailer i think that's what caught him and he's not you know he doesn't read the comics he he watches the movies but he doesn't really follow you know the comic books or what's going on in that and he doesn't really know like the backstory of aquaman i kind of had to explain to him who like all these you know who like black manta was and all that um but just seeing that underwater set piece and just that rooftop sequence. Uh, you know, running on the rooftops, I just immediately kind of, he, he was sold. He was sold after that. Do
3: you know, I think that's sometimes better, though, because my wife, poor, poor thing, is so <laughs> sick of me dragging her to every single comic book movie. She had no clue who Aquaman was, but she watched that film. She came out and said, that was brilliant. I really enjoyed that. So uh, I actually think that's smart. That's really, really smart to bring these characters that no one's really seen or heard before i mean who knew who the hell iron man was before the first iron man movie
2: mm-hmm.
3: marvel was always spidey 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 to some extent the hulk but in the public consciousness iron man is now probably the top marvel hero um mm-hmm. so aquaman i mean who knew fish boy orange jumper guy is the number one <laughs> box office dc superhero he's taken over batman he's taken over superman Awesome. If it gets more viewers in the theaters, if it gets more fans for the comics, sign me up. I'm in.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I, I really, um, I really have to recognize just the different ways that it was pointed to that the the visual presentation, not only creating a world that was appealing to an international audience, but also what you're saying about how the the visual presentation of these different fight scenes and the way they appealed through the trailers, how that sort of captured the attention and, and, and held it. And that, that promise is available, as Steve pointed to with Shazam and that great scene of young Billy jumping off of the roof, the lightning striking him, and that that sense of purpose or mission that uh, Shazam seems to have in that moment, that that sense of moving ahead. And uh, I think for the other the other sort of visual that might fit with that sort of pattern was the one where he comes to his friend and says, you have to teach me what it means to be a superhero. I don't know if anyone remembers that from the the first trailer, which I really felt was a a really important um, cornerstone for the the movie, at least how it can set things up. If if it really shows the development of him taking on the responsibility of his powers, the way that audiences can really engage with, then they can only build... On the success of Aquaman yeah absolutely mm-hmm. uh, and since we've gone ahead and brought up the fact that uh, you know we're all looking forward to Shazam I'm just moving right into our other movie news topic which is that uh, the release of DC comics figures um, offered the first glimpse of the seven deadly sins which now might be taking on a bit of a, uh, a prominent role in the film that wasn't initially suggested I don't know if anyone got a chance to see that uh, link and the action figures that that I'm referencing. Um, yeah. yes, and if you yeah. did, you might have noticed what was in there. And if you want to go ahead and just uh, give your feedback on that. Uh, I
2: I was at Toy Fair this past weekend and I, you know, I, I saw some info there as well. Uh, you know, I, I really dig the designs Um I, I think they kind of nailed it. And I think that's one thing that in uh, superhero films is the actual designs of the costumes and how the characters look is so important. Uh, you know, Halle Berry's Catwoman, the first time I saw that costume, uh, I just knew the movie was going to suck. <laughs> I, mean, and, I think, and, and I think that they've paid really good attention to detail. And, yeah, I dig it.
1: Uh. Yeah, I'm looking at the pictures right now. Um I think the characters themselves are great. I'm not too sure about the little uh creatures that come along with it. The, at least the pictures I'm seeing, they don't really have any color to them. They're kind of monochrome, they're just one color. Um as someone who used to collect a lot of uh McFarlane toys growing up as a kid, I'm I'm kind of a little bit spoiled in that regard. Uh But, I mean, in terms of just, I mean, these toys, I think, at least this version of the character, I mean, I think it's really designed for uh, the kids and just having something that they can play with. Um, And, I mean, I think it will work. I think, you know, kids would definitely buy these or watch the movie and, you know, they'll they'll want the toys. So, I mean, I don't see a problem with that. In terms of, you know, as a collector, I think they're um, a little bit lacking, especially the little uh, creatures that come along with it, but Yeah
2: Yeah, it's almost the fucking can barge in, I'm sorry. It's Go almost ahead. like uh, These were designed for kids to actually play with. They mm-hmm. weren't necessarily designed to keep on your shelf in the packaging and, Yeah, which which I think I can
3: appreciate The exactly what I was thinking. I mean, they're nice. What I, what I like is they're familiar enough so you know that they're the seven deadly sins from the Shazam legend from the subway station under the ground that that actually personify and come to life and, and fight our hero. But they're still um, updated and slightly new. But you're right, the figures, the toys don't seem to have that much detail, but kids are the ones who need to fall in love with this film because we need a future generation of viewers. We need a future generation of readers, which is why I'm so happy with the whole Walmart series of comics out in supermarkets, out on shelves, that kids can pick up and learn to fall in love with these characters again. So I'm sure that Sideshow down the road are going to have the full statues with all the details, the hand-painted costumes and, and everything else. So for now, I'm just glad they're there. I'm going to
1: take it as a win. No, yeah, I totally agree. I think uh, having these toys, you know, they're for the kids, definitely. You know, I, I hope so, too. I hope the kids buy these figures and they take them out of the package and they play around with them. And, and you know, like I said, these aren't necessarily for the shelf. These are, these are mm-hmm. for that kid that's playing in his living room. So I totally agree.
0: Yeah, I was uh, just kind of intrigued by the fact that they decided to do the packaging with one deadly sin for each character uh and also that detail aspect that's been brought up i feel like it reminds me of an early ghostbusters version of a slimer toy (laughs) where it was sort of like vague and pale but not detailed Mm -hmm. and if anyone else out there can like you know tag this in a social media post and give us a snapshot of what that toy looks like we'd probably all be grateful because now i'm going to spend hours on the internet looking for it (laughs) um you know but i was intrigued and um I, I'm kind of curious why they made it so you know, nondescript in so many ways, and I wonder if that has to do with some sort of mystical quality or, or something else that'll be pointed to. And that just uh, leads me to a follow-up question. How does everyone feel about the Seven Deadly Sins playing a larger role than just being statues in the upcoming movie?
2: Oh, I'm cool with it. Um, I, that's one thing about Shazam! right now, is that we haven't seen a lot of it. really don't know much about the story i mean beyond you know what we've seen in the trailer so getting those little tidbits is great and i'm i'm all for i'm all for it bring them on
1: yeah i feel the same way i'm definitely looking forward to it um these toys are made by mattel and so maybe i can kind of understand why they don't want to go too detailed on I don't know, and Seven Deadly Sins or and that sort of thing, if, especially if it's something that's uh, kind of meant for kids. But I'm definitely excited to see, I mean, I, I'm just a big fan of seeing any, uh, you know, something like that, like the Seven Deadly Sins incorporated into uh, any kind of story, really. Um, so I'm definitely looking forward to that. I'm excited to see that play out in Shazam. Yeah, same, absolutely. The fact that they're actually there,
3: uh, they're some of the things that heroes fight against, whether they're named or not, to be given them, physical form I'm intrigued yeah I, I'm in for that one
0: okay yeah and I'm also curious also because I feel like it's uh I think I just said also twice in a space of like five words um <laughs> which is always fun to recognize but I feel like they're going to be part of that teaching responsibility and mm-hmm. I'm curious to see how that's presented and you know how we get to see them interact with Billy and Shazam um mm-hmm. and and I'm curious to see what that larger role looks like. If everyone's okay with it, I'm going to go ahead and shift the direction to the small screen with the TV and streaming news. And the first headline that I see jumping right out is the uh, first look at the ventriloquist and Scarface from Gotham. Um, I personally, you know, think they look pretty spot on, but I wanted to give everyone else a chance to chime in yay or nay and why
2: i dig it because it was actually a little darker than i was expecting gotham's a dark show but that puppet looks pretty grimy uh you know i can I, i appreciate that and he was always kind of a creepy villain uh so the creepier the better and the show has definitely been creepy in the past so i think it's pretty fitting
1: yeah, I think for me, the really important thing is how he sounds. I think that's really important, especially as someone who kind of was first introduced to the character Scarface on the animated series, Batman the animated series. That difference between the ventriloquist and Scarface. Um, if I recall, I think they were voiced by the same guy on the animated show, Um I don't know if they're going to do the same thing here, if the actor is going to be doing the voice as well, if he's a ventriloquist himself. Um, but I think that is what I'm most anxious to see is just how does Scarface sound? And does does he have that kind of, you know, that terrifying voice? You know, I'll be honest, like I thought that episode with Scarface or any episode with Scarface really with on, on the animated show would, you know, it was just, it was really creepy. It was really creepy and scary as a kid. Um, and so I'm just kind of hoping to see that come off like on the uh on the live-action version.
3: Yeah. Clowns, uh, possessed children and scary mm-hmm. ventriloquist stummies are some of the most terrifying things yeah. <laughs> in all of fiction. And Scarface right. should be scary, and the design's great. But uh to answer that question, actually, Joseph, Andrew Sellen, who uh was Mr. Penn and is now going to be ventriloquist is actually a trained ventriloquist that he was awesome. uh, a pro ventriloquist in his past which is why this has got me really excited so yes he's going to be handling the puppet and doing both voices and he's a cracking actor i was really sad when it looked like mr Penn had died in gotham the fact he's coming back is he going to be arnold wesker is he someone that was just called mr Penn by the mob because he always walked around with a with a pen and a notepad um, is, is is he actually going to be the ventriloquist that we know Either way, the look is great And mm-hmm. he's a ventriloquist Oh yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to that
1: That's awesome, I think that's great uh, that The fact that he's a trained ventriloquist I think, yeah, I'm definitely ex- excited for it now
0: And, and that's going to bring us around to uh, A recent casting news Doug Ray Scott has been cast in Batwoman and also uh, Marco Siega is going to be stepping in as director. Uh, These are two, I mean, both elements point to direction of the show, not only the stepping in of the director, but also uh, the casting of Scott, who's uh, most recently known for Sony's Snatch, uh, BBC's White Woman in White. Um, And I wanted to go ahead and just get any response from anyone who's familiar with uh, either the... uh, new actor or the new director stepping onto this project.
2: Well, I, the director, he did the pilot for The Passage, the new vampire show on Fox that I really enjoyed. So uh, I'm pretty optimistic about, uh, about him doing a good job.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely excited about the Batwoman TV show. I, I've always been a big fan of this character in the comics um, you know, uh Kane's, you know, the colonel. Uh I've always been a big fan, so I mean I'm not too familiar with his work, so um I guess we'll just we'll just have to see how it turns out. Um not to be that guy, it's just uh some of the pictures I've seen. I don't know if they're gonna make him like a, a redhead or a true redhead. I don't know if they're gonna lean into that. I mean it'd be nice to see, but I'm I'm personally, you know, it's not a deal breaker for me, but no, we'll just have to wait and see okay i i
3: i uh, totally agree with joseph in the fact that a uh, batwoman is awesome character i'm so excited mm-hmm. for this show yep. but um do scott is a, is a scottish actor he's a, he's a brit so i'm very familiar with his work um have you guys uh probably would know him best from mission impossible 2 he plays uh the 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 boyfriend, the evil guy, the, the main villain in the second Mission Impossible. And he was, funnily enough, the original choice for Wolverine before Hugh Jackman got the part. So, he's oh, a charismatic wow. actor, he's a good actor, sh- a stage actor as well. Uh, hey, just shave his head and let him in there. He, I think he'll be a fantastic Jacob Kane. As for the director, yeah, exactly as Brad said, what he's done in the past excites me. When you get a someone who can do dark, someone who's of that horror background, like James Wan was on Aquaman, you're going to get something that's going to look a little bit different. It's not just going to be the glossy, glitzy, CGI-heavy CW that we already know. If the Gotham we saw in Elseworlds is what we're going to see in the Batwoman show, yeah, really excited.
0: And that also brings around the fact that that wasn't the only casting news that was announced for Batwoman. Uh, it was also announced that uh, Elizabeth Anwes is going to be cast as uh, Kate King's wicked stepmom. Now, she's most known for her 911 uh, fame, but I wanted to get some response as well about what you thought regarding this other addition to the Batwoman cast.
2: Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I think she's a great actress. You know, uh, I, I think they've done a pretty good job with the casting so far. Makes me want to watch it.
1: Yeah, can't say that I know any of her work, but I mean, again, that's just—I—I say let's get on with it. I'm really, I'm definitely excited to see Batwoman when it comes out.
3: Great look. Um, She looks dark. She looks like someone that could also be lethal in a fight, and I'm excited about this really strong female cast with only really Jacob Kane. As the male protagonist in the show, um, the casting for Alice is great as well. There is enough of a resemblance to Ruby Rose that they could be sisters. So they're not identical twins like they are in the comics, but that's going to be great for new viewers. For us, comic fans who know know who Alice is, that tragic story that she's actually Beth's sister, who Beth has been fighting as Batwoman to to avenge and to to get out into the world as a crime fighter turns out to be the enemy she's also been fighting for years is just one of those brilliant comic book stories. And the fact that new viewers won't know that has me excited to get them in. And hopefully this will launch a whole new Batwoman comic series. Cause I was really upset when they canceled the book. Cause it was a great book from start to finish. Uh, but obviously as with any business, comics are a business and no matter how good a book is, if it's not selling, it's not going to last. So, yeah excited for the TV show and hopefully it'll bring back the comic series too. so yeah, great casting really happy with that.
0: yeah I'm just going to follow up on the the point made about the the strong uh, cast and the, the presence that's being uh, demonstrated here, especially uh, with the female cast it's um, being selected as I stumble over my words so impressively right there. <laughs> um, but in doing so also um, I love when there's a family dynamic that's being presented early on in the promotion of a project. I always feel that whenever a character is torn between that sort, of, uh, that sort of mold that so many families shape people when they come out of them and how it can be so much a factor of how their decision-making is or how much about who they create their identity. And I'm always curious when, the casting choice is made in that direction because you know there's an intention that the casting uh, agent and the directors and everyone else who's looking at it but we're only going to get to see that unfold bit by bit and it really creates a, a different sort of stake when I'm watching those two characters engage because they're setting me up for something and every part of it makes me think when are they going to deliver and is the payoff going to be worth it um, and I really like that sort of premise that's always introduced. Family comics is great in comics (laughs) and on TV, so yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I'm just going to keep moving it along because, well, there's just that much news coming out, and the more that we get to put out, the more I get to hear what you think, and I love the fact that uh, every time I'm asking a question, everyone who's answering is filling me in with details that I wasn't even possibly aware of beforehand, so... Guys, thanks for all that feedback, the way it's uh, building this story. Uh, speaking of more streaming and TV news, uh, there's been an uh, addition to the Stargirl cast. Uh, we already know that it's going to be starring Amy Smart, but now they've added Heather's actor, Cameron Gellman. Uh They haven't set up what her uh, character's role is going to be, or a title, or anything like that. But I'm not actually personally familiar with the actor. Or her role on Heather's. And I wonder if anyone else had uh, any response or feedback based on what they know about her?
2: Uh, you know, I, he was in Heather's, which I liked the remake a little bit better than I was expecting to. But other than that, I'm not really familiar with his work. Uh, the Amy Smart thing, though, is kind of funny because I, you know, I remember when she was going to see movies when she would have been young enough to play Stargirl. And she looks, she looks like Stargirl. So, uh, you know, had this show been made, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, she would have been the perfect Stargirl. So I think it's a good choice to have her play the mom at this point.
1: Yeah, I'm very excited for this show, Stargirl. Just a quick side note. I was actually in the room at Comic-Con when Jeff John announced this project. And seeing him on the panel and the way he talked about it, you can tell that this is something really, it was really important to him. It's definitely a passion project. Something, you know, he talked a lot about his sister who, uh, you know, who died prematurely. And he kind of, in a way, I'm pretty sure he's going to dedicate this show to her. Um, So just seeing that level of passion coming from Jeff Johns, I think and you know and he's on board and he's writing you know and just working on this project i think that's you know it's jeff johns and so yeah, anything that he makes you know I'm, I'm excited for and then to see his excitement it just makes me so excited for this show um i don't know what direction is going to take what story or or whatnot like you know where they're going but i'm definitely going to watch this when it comes out
3: i can't speak too much for the casting because i'm not familiar with the actor either i'm afraid but uh What I will say is is another one of those characters that might not be as well-known or as super famous as a Supergirl or a Batgirl, but her fans, and I'm one of them, adore her. Uh, She's just one of these characters that's all light. She's not one of these dark origin, horrible history, evil family characters. She's a source and a symbol of hope, and we need a bit more of that. So... The show itself, really looking forward to. The casting of, of Stargirl, yeah, um, but the, the supporting characters, I'm not that familiar with their work, so can't say too much about that. But Stargirl TV show, yeah. If it's going to be as good as Doom Patrol and Titans, DC Universe is killing it right now, really killing yeah. it.
2: Yeah, and if, if I can just add, it's so, it's so great to be at a time in history where you can have whole entire shows based on these kind of lesser known characters yeah. like Patrol and Stargirl. It's such a because it's just it's very cool to see those characters come to life and and now there is more space to have a lighter character where it's not so dark. And it's just it's just a great time to be a fan.
0: I'm just gonna jump in for a second as well, simply because it brought up for me the sense that I didn't know who most of the cast were for Supergirl when it was first announced. And that's actually become one of my favorite shows. And I think that sort of promise and belief behind what Joseph brought up, which is the idea of it being a Jeff Johns project and the personal touch that he's brought to, well, so much of what I'm really enjoying right now in the storytelling. Yeah. It's my belief that there's this sort of like, you know, Opportunity to not only bring up these lesser known characters, but do it with, at least for me, lesser known actors. Actors who might be known to others, but haven't really gotten onto the large enough scale for me to pay as much attention to. But what I've seen them do in these other projects, and I guess Supergirl is the reference I'm going back to, uh, I'm constantly amazed and astounded when there's these magical moments that. I look at the first episode or two and think to myself, none of those characters gave me that sense of that coming. And yet now that I see them displaying it, I'm so thankful that I watch each episode and then I get to witness these developments.
3: Absolutely.
0: And that's going to go ahead and wrap us up for the TV and streaming news, which means we can actually get to the source material where a lot of these movies, television shows and streaming productions are coming from which is comic book news and uh, I'm gonna start things off on the comic book news side of things with uh, vertigo's uh, announcement that the second coming has been uh, not only cancelled but that there's an explanation and I'm just gonna read this quick uh, snippet and then allow everyone to respond in their own but uh, according to uh, DC cancel writer Mark Russell and artist Richard Pace Disagreements occurred over editorial changes that led the duo to request the full rights to the book back. And then although not quoted directly, according to a HuffPost report, Russell said that DC requested the removal of some profanity, covering up of male nudity in a Garden of Eden scene with additional changes and a delay of the book expected because of this. And then it was added that negative attention from a Fox News report and subsequent petition for the book's cancellation may have indirectly contributed to DC's plans for the story. Your thoughts?
2: I just hope that the Fox News thing didn't play too much of a part. Yeah, the pro-clutching over there, if that really did play a part, it's, that, that would make me crazy. But comics are a business, and if DC, you know, they're at the end of the day they're trying to sell books and if they thought that it would be better without the profanity and blah 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 but you know if they gave the complete control back to the creators so the creators can go another avenue to distribute it and we still get to see the story then maybe it'll work out best for everyone in the end
1: yeah to be honest i I couldn't help but chuckle a little bit when i heard about this story um because I wonder if the people that are critical of this book they are they familiar with the other vertical works <laughs> at DC yeah. Um, yeah you know what I mean I mean there's I mean there's Lucifer <laughs> uh, you know there's there's the Sandman universe there's all these things but I think That when they see this book, I I think this book could have easily been on the shelf under any other publisher. And I think it will. Uh, You know, my understanding is that they're looking for another publisher and that's where it's going to end up. Um, And I don't think it's going to be a problem then. I think just people hear DC, you know, the general public that maybe not necessarily read about, you know, read these comics. They just hear DC and then right away they think, oh, Batman, Superman. And you know what? Jesus. So they couldn't realize that it was. Being published under the vertigo label and vertigo does tend to be for mature audiences. So I I mean, it's just outrage just for outrage sake and but you know, I have to say I am glad that this book, you know, that they gave the rights back and I mean, I'm pretty sure it's gonna probably end up like an image or some other publisher and uh, I'll be reading it, you know, I'll I'll be honest with you. I'll I'll be reading it and checking it out. Uh, My understanding from the premise you know, the Christ-like character, it's roommate with a Superman-type character. Um, I thought that was funny. I thought it can be, it's very interesting. And I'm curious to see, you know, what kind of what they have to say about the relationship. Like, what would, you know, that kind of, uh, how that dynamic would play out.
2: Yeah, I can imagine Vertigo publishing Creature, say, now, yeah. <laughs> you know. So, yeah, that's a
3: good point yeah <laughs> it's funny but it's it's also upset me a little bit because this is the whole reason for vertigo it's to have something out there that makes you think that's a little bit out of left field it's not your standard yes. comics fair that's the whole point of the whole imprint i mean why did alan moore go to the trouble of of writing something and getting rid of the Comics Code Authority, which stifled and censored comics from the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, just to have this happen again now because of a little bit of outrage. But like you say, Vertigo Comics, Hellblazer, Lucifer, Demons, Murder, Blood, Guts, Possession, everything else, it's all been there from day one. Um, Preacher, like you say, bam, that that show, it's like... (laughs) And this isn't any worse. I mean, at least for what I can tell, Jesus is portrayed as a figure of good, as a heroic, morally centered character. Um, Humperdoo on Preacher, uh, what? No. (laughs) Jesus' direct descendant (laughs) is mentally retarded. And no one said a thing about that. So it's sad because I think this is censorship at its worst. But, Hey ho! At least the creators are still going to have the avenue to present the comic because this is one I'd I'd really love to pick up and and have a read
1: of. But hey, that's me, I guess. Yeah, I'm, de- I'm definitely. It doesn't matter if it's on another publisher. I'm, I'm definitely want to read this and check this out, and probably even more so with this. I, I probably will buy this book um, proudly, to be quite honest with you. Um, just. As someone who's, I'm not a big fan of censorship or anything mm-hmm. like that. Let things be, let things come out, let us make our own decisions. I, you know, again, I'm just excited that it's, it's going to come out and I'll be buying it when it does. Absolutely. let Creators create, that's their job. Let, let them write, let them
3: draw, let the stories come out there. If you don't want to read it, don't read it, but don't stop it coming out in the first place. That, that's bad. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, I definitely also feel that there's a a banned books sort of feel to this uh, and an appeal that comes with it. Um, And I always loved when someone would introduce a list of those banned books that you actually need to read and are recommended reading because of the content that's being discussed that isn't normally being uh, provided for people to consider or at least uh, offer a a lens in which to, to consider it. And uh, I'm also just curious how others are are uh, thinking about whether or not this has anything to do with just, uh, I think uh, Joseph really pointed out well, who it was being released by. And the fact that if it had been with another title, uh, another publisher, it might not have seen the same scrutiny. If uh, the fact that DC is so much in the news right now, that it's so easy to elevate something like this, or if it's just that there was... Uh, Too Much of something that that made it finally untenable
1: You know, I just real quick. I just noticed something right now because I'm looking at the cover for second coming Uh, and it has the dc vertigo logo on it And i'm also looking I have a a cover on my wall from fables And it just says vertigo. It doesn't say dc vertigo Um, so I wonder if that has anything to do with it. I don't know.
3: (laughs) I think some of the controversy, according to the report, says uh, male nudity. But a few months back, Batman had his junk <laughs> display in the back cave. And right, it right. drove the world crazy. And everyone bought that book so much so that you can't even get it anymore. So that to me is like, mm, really, that's what you're concerned about? Male nudity in the Garden of Eden before there were clothes, allegedly, according to the Bible.
2: Hmm. Okay, yeah, and,
3: and, I, and I think that that goes to say how much controversy helps sells books.
2: So Mm -hmm. when this does come out, it's going to sell maybe a lot more than it would have
1: had it just come out through Vertigo. I think so. I definitely think so.
0: Well, I can't argue with any of those opinions because I have to admit I agree with all of them in, well, for the most part, 100%. I feel that each one of those is, is bringing up a suggestion that It's kind of one of those we're all thinking it, but you just said it. So thank you to each of you for saying the part that I didn't have to go ahead and do because we all did it so well. Um, Since we had someone just bring up Batman, I'm going to go ahead and move us right into the next uh, comic news headline, which is that uh, the new deceased uh, storyline that has been sort of hinted at for a time now has been revealed to uh, be that Batman will be fighting the undead. In the upcoming title by Tom Taylor and uh, according to a quick tag I saw uh, this is another apocalyptic out of continuity epic from the mind of Taylor, this time focusing on Batman as he fights hordes of the undead. Any initial thoughts, responses based on either the premise or Taylor or anything else based on that?
2: Uh, I think that being out of continuity is probably a good thing because uh, it, it can kind of raise the stakes you know it would be maybe interesting that somehow batman was the only superhero that survived and not only is he facing regular undead but maybe an undead superman or something maybe he can go a little d- deeper in the whole zombie thing than blackest night went so uh i'm you know cautiously optimistic
1: yeah, I was definitely thinking about that Blackest Night. Um, I, I think for me, when I heard about this, I immediately just thought of Marvel Zombies. Um, I don't know if you guys ever read yeah, those books. Stuff. Yeah, I I've read a few of those issues. I can't say I've read the, the whole thing, but um, I know that it was received well and really. Again, it just brought up a, kind of a, an interesting premise. And, you know, if you think about it, it's like, okay, so, you know, the world's going to hell. So what would Batman kind of, you know, the smartest man on the planet, what would he do to deal with the situation? Like, how would he fight back against the hordes and all that? So I'm kind of very curious to see. Um, I'm definitely going to pick it up. Uh, You know, again, just the fact that it is out of continuity, you know, definitely is a a plus. Um, You know, you won't have to read any other books to kind of. Uh, enjoy this. So, yeah, I think uh, I think it's going to be good. But I mean, again, we'll we'll have to see.
3: Tom Taylor can do no wrong in my book. After reading Injustice, Injustice Two, this mm. guy gets the DC Universe. He knows and loves these characters, and giving him free reign out of continuity where he can do what the heck he pleases. Well, he's proven what he can do when he's given that freedom. And hey, DC Universe. Plus zombie apocalypse equals damn it DC take my money. Yeah, I, I think Injustice,
2: yeah. I think Injustice was easily the best oh, video so game comic adaptations ever.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely.
1: I guess yeah, the and uh,
0: I, Oh go ahead, please.
1: Oh the uh the the phrase dark side was. Oh yes. <laughs> like that was like <laughs> what? <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, I actually thought at first with the teasers that Darkseid had actually finally solved the anti-life equation, and that's what caused a zombie apocalypse, and apparently it's a virus. I just thought that whole thing of when you see Darkseid ripping his own skin off was just awesome. And the fact if he's infected, if we're going to have an yeah. undead uh, new god, what the heck? This is going to be is... mental.
1: Yes. I cannot wait to yes. read this. That is what I was getting at, like, picturing an undead zombie dark side, you know, awesome. new gods,
0: you know, oh, it's like, what? <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: I love that idea of, uh, you know, something that powerful, but being somewhat numb and animalistic in that sort of undead capacity. Um, and Joseph, thanks for bringing up uh, the uh, Marvel uh, zombie uh, uh, series that they had there. As you could tell, everyone recognized it and has right. <laughs> has enjoyed it. Um, and I, I do like the fact that, that you, you brought that up because that, for me, was something that after a while I can only see people killed in interesting ways um, so many times before I started to almost want to tune it out. But uh, the way Steve brought in the fact that we're talking about Tom Taylor and what he's proven with injustice. And I feel that almost everybody, if they've had a chance to read that, can think of at least one moment, one scene, one uh, occurrence with a character where something so shocking occurred that it's it stuck with you. And, yeah. and even as I'm describing it, you can picture that image right now. For me, it's uh, Kyle Rayner in space being ripped apart four different ways with Sinestro smiling and thinking to myself, that's what you do when you don't have any sort of moral premise mm-hmm. or any sort of, you know, sort of, sense of there's a limit to what i'm going to do when there are no limits what's possible and that taylor's already proven himself with something on his resume that really says go ahead try me you know that he's the one taking charge of this project and also you know so well what joseph brought up was the uh the idea this is batman involved he's got a contingency for everything so what is the undead contingency and what does it look like when he starts flicking the switches and one after two after three different solutions to deal with the problem right away or long term start to come into the you know come into the storyline has he got a super powered undead contingency
3: what mm. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> and how cool will it look when we see it oh. um yeah i don't want to take away if anyone else wants to add anything before i move on to our next one. Three, two, one all right Which is another Batman title, and it's the announcement that uh, Batman and TMNT will be having number three out this spring. Uh, A couple of big uh, bullet points that go with that. Kevin Eastman, co-creator of TMNT, will be joining. And for those of you not familiar with that TMNT part, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, just so I can feel like I opened the door. (laughs) And you heard a cheer of yes for for those who are already making the connection. (laughs) <laughs> and one other little tag here, um, for those who've been reading and those who weren't, in the first two volumes, our heroes battled the evil of the Foot Clan in Gotham and then went head-to-head with Bane in New York. But now, in the third and biggest chapter, Krang, mm-hmm. pause, has mm-hmm. gotten his hands on the most dangerous technologies in the DC universe, and no universe is safe from his wrath. And go. <laughs>
2: You know, I wish I was a bigger fan of crossovers like this, but uh, I do like that Kevin Eastman is involved. I think that raises the game, and and Kang absolutely. So, as much as I'm not a fan of these, I may give this one a chance.
1: Yeah, I think I'm in the same boat. I I think this is this series has definitely been under the radar for me. Uh, I, I am a fan of Batman. I am a fan of the of TMT. Um. And the fact that it's James Tinian, I think that is a big selling point for me. I'm, I just, I love that man's work, and I mean Eastman. I mean, I didn't even know that until you just said it. So <laughs> Eastman's involved in that. That's like, wow, that's, that's just like the best of, you know, both worlds there. So um, I'll probably have to go back and catch up and read the uh, the first two uh, yes. crossovers. Um, but yeah, it, this is definitely something I would check out. Don't, don't just read
3: the first two. Uh, also pick up uh, the Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Adventures miniseries done in the style of Batman, the animated series, because that is also absolutely fantastic. That's yeah, like okay. the, f- the fourth book in the trilogy, um, just like the Hitchhiker's Guide. Yeah, James Tynan and Kevin Eastman, oh man, I am so happy about this. Plus the fact they've got the original uh, art- artists from the first two Batman TMNT crossovers as well. This is gonna be one of those trilogies like Lord of the Rings, uh, Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi for me. <laughs> I am there, I am so
1: there.
0: Wow, yeah. Uh, that's it, that's it. <laughs> that's
1: it's the a ringing endorsement. Note you
0: wanna, yes. <laughs> Well put, definitely a ringing endorsement. Um I'm gonna admit that this also stayed under the radar for me, but it's the announcement of Eastman that really oh, yeah. sort of, you know, makes me go, well now you've got my attention, what are you gonna do with it? Come on, show me something cool. Um and I'm excited to hear that others had that that similar response. What I didn't know was uh, what Steve just added there that we're, we're maintaining continuity through all three with the, uh, the team up of the artist combination. Mm-hmm. It's one story in, in three volumes. That's something I, I always uh, enjoy when, when you can just sort of sit down with all three at some point and just sort of dig in. Um, great experience, great opportunity. Any other uh, thoughts or comments? I might have cut off with my enthusiastic follow up <laughs> of Steve there i <laughs> well, get excited
3: absolutely eastman and laird did uh, contribute a couple like alternate covers and some story ideas with the first two uh volumes but having eastman art as part of the story as well oh man so happy i think <laughs> for eastman script uh, i was so excited i don't even know what i'm talking about having kevin eastman involved
0: boom i'm in Solid. Yeah. Um, and really, again, come on, Steve. Like, how am I supposed to follow that? Um, <laughs> and that actually is going to pull us out of the uh, big headlines the mic. Comic book news. Yeah, you did. You really <laughs> did. Look what you did. You kicked us out of comic book news. Now we have to go to other news. I'm Don't be sorry. proud of yourself. I'm it's so okay. Sorry. I'm actually extremely proud of you for doing that. You did it so effectively. I mean, come on. How can I not be impressed? Um, And actually, (laughs) I'm going to take a a moment now to turn it over. Brad, you were kind enough to mention when we were talking about figures that you had a chance to check out the, uh, the toy fair. We wanted to give you a few moments to, to go ahead and just dig into any parts that, that stuck out for you or uh, just uh, give us a little bit of a rundown about what you were doing, what you were seeing and what you came back telling.
2: Well, I, uh, I did take a, a little tour uh, with McFarlane toys, but unfortunately (laughs) they did not have any DC toys. Um, But DC collectibles, one of my favorite things that I saw was a Lucha Libre line of pro wrestling, like uh, Mexican wrestler figures as Wonder Woman, Batman, Mm -hmm. Superman, uh, Cheetah, Deathstroke. um, Oh, and who was the other one? Metallo. But, yes, right, right, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, Metallo. <laughs> those, I think, as far as a DC thing goes, those were the coolest things that, that I saw uh, there in Toy Fair. So that's, uh, yeah, look out for those. And I think they're coming out in August.
0: Would I put you on the spot if I ask you to, to single out a, a favorite that you just can't stop picturing? Um.
2: You know, I I really kind of dug the Wonder Woman Lucha Libre figure. Uh, I I dug the mask. I dug the way the eyes were designed, kind of like like bigger, like almost insect eyes kind of thing, which I I kind of dug. Uh, and on a non DC, if you were a fan of it, there's so much Pennywise stuff <laughs> coming out over the next year. It's like that's it was everywhere. Um. But yeah, that was my, it was my first time going, so I kind of didn't know what I was uh, getting into, but I, I did have a good time, and I'm looking forward to going back uh, you know, next year and bringing uh, all the DC news to, uh, to the DC Comics News website. So we'll see.
0: Yeah, well, thank you, Brad. I really appreciate mm-hmm. it. Um, any thoughts from anyone about what we just heard? I have to talk about the Luce Explosiva
3: uh, figures because, again, I'm a massive wrestling mark so so into it and when you see Batman and Superman Wonder Woman and their villains as wrestlers but for me the stand-up figure's got to be Deathstroke because he's carrying a steel chair with Batman's face imprinted in it (laughs) where he smacked him so hard and that to me is just magic (laughs) yeah that was definitely
2: a great detail
1: that's awesome yeah, yeah. I I didn't even know about that. I didn't even know about this line of Lucha Libre action figures. And again, I, I'm, you know, I'm a wrestling fan. You know, I love Lucha Libre. I'm. It, it's just, I, I, it's hard to put words on it. Just because it, it, if you kind of grew up in, you know, in the Latino community, and you know, you grew up with like watching Lucha Libre, oh, and yeah. you know, these these guys are treated like superheroes. You know the for, for yeah, to, yeah, yeah, it makes <laughs> you, you know. So next step. Yeah. So the, these, you know, the, the luchadores are, you know, they're the superheroes for a lot of kids in in a lot of Latin American countries, and to kind of finally see this kind of like this melding of like superhero and and toys, I I, I think it's just oh I can't I just I just enjoyed so much
3: that's probably why i'm a wrestling fan because it's it's like a comic book come to life is the good guys and the bad guys live on stage in front of audiences flying around the ring in ways that shouldn't be humanly possible and when you actually get your comic book heroes as master chadones it's just so exciting it's a huge thing in the latino culture i'm i'm half spanish myself
0: so ah just happy 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 happy
1: i'll send you the link Oh, yeah. Awesome. That'd be great.
0: Yeah, I also am just going to chime in on the fact that what always sort of separated it from American uh, WWE wrestling was the sense of mystery with the masks. Mm-hmm. It made me think of comic book superheroes immediately from the first time I saw it. Who is that masked man? Who, who, yeah. who is that? Almi Hammer, the
2: Hey! <laughs> yeah, and I, and I think that both cultures have kind of influenced each other. The wrestling, the luchador culture has influenced comics, just as comics have influenced that. So it's kind of a, it's like an interesting meeting point between the two with these figures.
1: Yeah, I expect to see kind of a lot of, you know, these figures kind of influence um, some wrestlers uh, moving forward. I, I think they'll take some notes from some of the uh, designs of these toys. And I hope they make
2: more. I hope this is
1: just the, Absolutely, first, yes. you know, the
2: first line. They have, like, so many, you know, obviously. Uh, it would just be cool to see what they do next. Which, And I think, this, I think this line will easily be very successful. So I do expect that we'll be seeing more in the next few years.
0: Yeah, well, and with those descriptions, I mean, really, guys, thank you for bringing to life uh, some great elements. I can now clearly see Wonder Woman. With those exaggerated eyes, uh, and the mask, and now all I see is Deathstroke carrying around a chair with Batman's <laughs> ears sticking out yeah. of it, yeah, at that's, a funny that's, angle. Whole face, and that's it's just, his whole face, yeah, I know, but I haven't seen <laughs> it yet, and all I can see are the ears. Like in my head, he somehow made the ears that much more prominent, even though I'm it thinking to ever, myself, but it would bend, right? No, yeah. no, for this, this. Storyline, the ears must show up as part of the image in the chair yeah, I never put that, that
2: detail in, it's a genius Yeah, love it <laughs>
0: <laughs> Way to really impress upon the sense of If I get a chair, I'm hitting Batman <laughs> That's who I am, I'm Destro. What did you expect, come on <laughs> um, I love that we've uh, got things started off with Brad and the Toy Fair Because we're actually going to move into some really fun toy news Um The first one being the announcement that DC is expanding its Walmart program to include DC collectibles. Uh, I got a quick tag here. I'm just going to fire off and then let everybody respond to. Um, Walmart's exclusive DC collectibles program offers something unique for fans, the thrill of chance. Fans purchasing these Batman black and white figures at Walmart will find each in an exclusive individual blind bag next to DC's comic giants. DC Collectibles will release new figures every other month in waves of six, giving fans a wide selection and increasing the surprise factor for finding their favorite Batman characters. Um, It looks like for February we've got Batman by Amanda Connor, Batman by Darwin Cook, Batman by Jason Fabok, Batman by Patrick Gleason, Batman by Frank Quitely, and Batman by Dick Sprang. I don't know if I can set that up better for anyone. So I'm just going to say thoughts.
2: You know, I, I really, you know, the, the Walmart, the line of DC, the comics have been very well received. So this, this seems like a no brainer, you know, it's, you know, that, that that'll get people into the stores it'll get collectors into the stores. Cause I think already comic fans are going into Walmart when they normally wouldn't. And I think this is just going to end up bringing more people in.
1: Yeah. I'm looking at these names and I'm just like, wow, these names, you know, Bruce Timm, John Romita Jr., Darwin Cook. These are, uh, I mean, these are really like a who's who of people that have designed for DC Collectibles. And um, to me, DC Collectibles has always been kind of, you know, those statues that I always admire in the comic book store, but I I can never really afford it. (laughs) So... (laughs) (laughs) You know, they're great to look at in the comic book store, but it's like I can't take any of them home with me. But uh, I I think the fact that now they're going to be, you know, at Walmart, I I don't know. I guess, uh, you know, they're probably obviously it's going to be a much more, you know, affordable proposition. So uh, I think I'm I don't know if I'm going to be able to afford all these, but I think uh, there might be a few here and there that I'll definitely want to pick out
3: count yourselves lucky that you have walmarts i live in england we don't have walmarts i can't get walmart comics i can't get walmart action figures and you had me at dick sprang
0: yeah yeah in fact as we move through the list and you look at april and june you see bruce timms harley quinn you can see a batman by john romita you can see june scott the joker by jim lee uh then later into august Robin Brian and Penguin Boyle. also have
1: yes, yes. Yeah, I think you <laughs> so, sent me a Darwin Cook. Yeah,
0: that really Darwin sort of Cook. That was right off.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's definitely up there. Does
3: anyone want to adopt a fifty-year-old English comics fan?
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, we do. We, we do have. Uh, we do have these things called, you know, shipping containers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell Trump. <laughs> <laughs> so. My my conditions would be that I have two dogs in the living room And they live in crates I can't put you in a crate But if you go on the couch They'll have to sleep with you Or they'll just cry all night I love So them. as long as you don't mind two bedmates I've <laughs> got a pit bull and a French bulldog And they'll keep you warm at night I love them
1: <laughs> <laughs> Well I was just thinking of uh, Sending these toys over to uh, Steve But you know Having him come over, shipped over I think that sounds like more fun
0: See, then we all get to have a Steve to play with.
1: Yeah. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> which coast are you on? If you're on the way, on the
3: west coast and the heat and the sun, um, who do I have to kill?
2: Yeah. Unfortunately, well, I'm on the
3: east coast, so <laughs> yeah.
2: Because cool it's
1: me and Seth out here on the west coast.
0: Sunshine. Yeah, although you have to keep in mind, I actually I live in Oakland, which is right across the bay from San Francisco, which is well known for being. Well, the uh, coldest winter I ever spent was a summer in San Francisco. So that's <laughs> yeah, my only warning. I'm the West Coast, but I'm not what you expect. Okay. I guess so. I
1: guess I'm, guess I'm the face winner face here. To... I'm in I'm, Yeah, I guess I'm the winner here. Daddy. I'm in Southern California. So
0: <laughs>
1: a lot of desert right. and droughts. <laughs>
0: <laughs> While we're uh, lining up Steve's adoption papers and working out the uh, arrangements <laughs> for his uh, processing <laughs> over to the US. Also going to move into the announcement that uh, Todd McFarlane has, uh, let me say that correctly and clearly, Todd McFarlane confirmed that DC Comics figures he's going to have out soon will include movies and TV. And I've got a great quote from uh, Mr. McFarlane that I think kind of sums it up nicely. Let's look at some of the categories we're going to do. We're going to do movies. We're going to do TV. We're going to do comic book versions. We're going to do animated versions. We'll do the core toy line and then maybe even some video game stuff. So that gives us a wide range so that in any character you can think of, whether it's Flash, I can do a version of each one of those. I can do TV, I can do movie, I can do comic book, I can do a regular toy line Flash, animated Flash, video game Flash. So if you like Flash, we'll be able to do a big range.
2: Oh man, See, I wish they would have had more of that info actually at Toy Fair. Because they didn't, uh, they didn't mention it to me. They didn't have any mock ups or anything, but that's that's really cool news.
1: Yeah, I got to say, I, I think I mentioned it earlier in the podcast. But I, you know, as a kid, I grew up collecting a lot of McFarlane toys. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Todd McFarlane and the work that he's done, and especially in the, you know, kind of like the toy action figure collectibles. I think he was kind of really responsible from taking you know, making, taking things from action figures to collectibles. Um, a lot of times I would just buy these, you know, you know, for lack of a better term, toys, And but they would be sitting on the shelf and I would just be admiring them. And the idea of him taking, you know, having that same approach towards, you know, DC properties and DC characters, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of just sitting here and, and I don't know if you guys think, what do you guys think? But I'm just kind of thinking, like, okay, what would be the one toy um, I would want to see? And I think I definitely would want to see, you know, what you guys mentioned earlier, the Injustice. Um, I would love to see, you know, McFarlane get his hands on that, on those uh, kind of versions of, of the toys. I don't know. What do you guys think?
3: McFarland well, yeah. toys has always meant quality. Mm-hmm. In my eyes, his figures have always been really good. But remember, the, also, this is the guy that gave us Spawn. I, I, I fell in love with this Incredible Hulk run back in the day. And hang on, this is the guy who gave us the crazy cape of Batman Year 2. This, this, this dude's just like a comics legend and DC figures and McFarlane toys together. It's a match made in heaven, isn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
2: You know, I grew up in the 80s, and when McFarland Toys came out, a little bit after i had gotten out of collecting toys, I always looked at McFarland Toys as kind of the toys that I always wish my action figures had been.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> just
2: the collection, the detail, I just, you know, it's, yeah, it's just amazing. What they could do with these DC licenses is just, I, I can't wait to see. I can't wait to see what
0: they do. Yeah, and I'm just going to bring up another point that, that maybe others would want to uh, add on to. So much of what I remember about uh, my early impressions of Todd McFarlane, it felt like what I was viewing was supposed to be 3D. It felt that what I was looking at was supposed to come off the page and Mm -hmm. that it was only the limitations of the page that kept it from doing that. And that with his figures, that limitations removed. And all of those beautiful things that you wish you could have seen from 360 degrees of angle, are now available to you when he does toys like this. And I'll be honest, if he does every version of Flash that I can imagine and he can imagine, I'll buy every last one of them, (laughs) because that that concept to me just sounds like, what else would I want to say I collected, except a Todd McFarlane line of every Flash he could think of, which for me is just a a character that if I I did end up getting a series of collectibles like that, it would would be that. and and seeing what he's doing in 3D for me, what that would mean.
1: You know, now that you, I something that I just remembered just now is I don't know if you guys remember, but there was a Spawn Batman crossover. Yeah, uh, there were two mm-hmm. issues back in the early 90s, and I think that's got to be on the top of the list. Like kind of an action figure of McFarland's Batman yes. from so that or, crossover, or the Batman who laughs.
2: What they could do with a Batman
0: who's laughing
1: would be
2: fantastic. <laughs> <order>. I'm drooling. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, now actually you've just opened up the entire Dark Multiverse possibilities. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, those, Brad, those what have you done?
1: Versions of ba- oh, my goodness.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if my wife starts complaining about the debt I'm going into, I blame you. I blame you now, and i record recording on McFarlane. this podcast for posterity. Mr. McFarlane, please know this is a humble cry of acknowledgement. I am weak. My wallet is frail. My money is yours. Yeah, um, and you? I think I might have even paraphrase steve on that one <laughs> take my money please mm-hmm. <laughs> um and really that wraps up what has been a banner week of headline news across all the spectrums of comic book well experience um i wanted to go ahead and uh one just say the idea had been suggested if anyone wanted to go ahead and put up just one title that they uh wanted to single out for this week for no other reason than just to say its name and anything else to go along with it real quick.
2: Uh naomi too. Um Bendis has kind of got me hooked on what this mystery is going to be. And I'm just kind of hoping that it does have wider ramifications across the DC universe. So so we'll see. But I liked uh I liked issue two.
1: I think for me what probably one of my favorite titles that I love reading right now is Justice League Dark and if you have a chance it came out a little while ago but if you have a chance to read issue number seven um that was it was was kind of like a throwback to the old ec kind of tales from the crypt comics from back in the day if you have a chance to read that i highly recommend it It was reviewed by ari bard on our site so if you can get it you know if you have a chance to pick up that book i strongly highly recommend it
3: oh exactly what joseph said i i review Justice Lee Dark on our sister side on Dark Knight News, and that book consistently, month after month, issue after issue, script, art is just awesome. So, as that one's been mentioned already, I have to pl- say, please, everybody out there, pick up Hawkman. I don't know why this book isn't selling because it's genius. This is one character who has always been the most convoluted, rewritten, retconned character in all of comics. And Robert Venditti and Brian Hitch have managed to launch a Hawkman book, which anyone can pick up, not knowing a thing about the character and understand all of it. Beautiful to look at. Brilliant read. Guys pick up Hawkman uh, as well. Great stuff.
2: Thanks for the recommendation.
0: So good. Yeah. Really great recommendations there. Nice. Um, and I love the fact that, you know, with each one of those, the, the areas you brought in, whether it's a, uh, You know, we're talking about Bendis storytelling, uh, whether or not we're talking about the uh, you know factors that Joseph just brought up for Justice League Dark. But uh, what's kind of sticking in my mind is the one that was catching with me. I think uh, I was really enjoying. I've been curious about American Carnage, and I felt that number four just really set up uh, a lot of opportunity for the stakes to go even higher and i i'm really enjoying the fact that this is something i didn't expect to get caught by and here i am hook and mouth being drawn along and enjoying it Um, so a quick little note uh just for all of you looking for a title to pick up if you haven't had the chance to try any of the ones we've mentioned you've just heard a reason why you might be curious enough to pick it up and that brings us to our end uh before we go Really quick, uh, are you planning on attending an upcoming Wizard World convention? Because DC Comics News has got a deal for you. You can use the code DC News at checkout to save 10% off your order. Order and save today at wizardworld.com slash tickets. Just to go ahead and toss it out there, is anyone going to any cons?
2: Well, I'm trying to go to Big Apple Comic Con here in, uh, in March. Um, a lot smaller than New York Comic Con But it's still a cool little con uh,
1: For me, I guess the next One out here is WonderCon Here in Anaheim And uh, Just kind of sit, uh, Currently right now, one of the things I'm doing for the site Is I'm planning on our coverage Of that Comic Con and then So that's going to be really exciting Working on that, kind of uh, expanding Our coverage of that convention And then after that, it'll be San Diego So that'll be the big one
3: Here in the UK, we're actually getting some really great stuff this year. The London Film and Comic Con, the MCM, which is the movies, comics and manga con. And of course, heroes and villains at the end of May. Um, So I'm going to be a busy, busy boy.
0: Yes, quite a list we've got. I highly encourage checking them all out. I myself almost had something that could have happened for WonderCon. And thankfully, I decided to avoid the heart attack and will find another way to make to the next con I can find. Um, Oh, we got to get you down here, Seth. I, I, you know what, Joe, I, I, I'm going to take that and I I guarantee you, I'm going to get down there and it'll be fun when we get a chance to hook up and hang out. I think it'll be a great time. Um, Yeah, definitely. For everyone who enjoyed what you heard today and you're looking forward to the next episode, remember you can subscribe to DC comics news on Apple podcasts and rate and review it when you do. The only way we know how to get even better for you is by you telling us what you think. Uh, You can also follow us on social media. That includes Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr. Hashtag DC Comics News. And if we could all say that beautiful mantra together. And as always, read Read more more comics. -comics. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And that was a nice little symphony. I like that. A little acapella. (laughs)
1: I don't know how that's going to turn out.
0: Give us time, folks. We'll get more practice. We'll get it together. But the <laughs> message stays the same. Read more comics. And thanks for listening.
3: Absolutely.